live from the suburban sprawl of New Jersey to the banks of the Delaware River in Pennsylvania. This is the official podcast of Once a Metro, the Red Bull Rant. I am Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode 141, the Hudson River Blues. So uh, for those of you who listen regularly, you may be a little shocked to hear my voice opening the show. It's because... Uh, Jason Iapico is on the line recording, but he's a little under the weather. Uh, he kind of sounds like that, you know, whiskey and cigarette Scarlett Johansson voice, but not in a sexy way. So, unfortunately, he can't join us. <laughs> he just, he's just going to listen, and then he's going to text message us what we're doing wrong. So, Yeah, it's, it sounds about right. He's like, that's not how I would open the show. You yeah, screwed it up he already. Like, he's yeah. actually hitting the stop button right now as we speak. Yeah, I mean, if you actually ever hear this, we'll be shocked. So, uh, we might as well dive right into it. Uh, the Red Bulls played this past Saturday night against the New England Revolution. They played a bit of a B plus, A minus squad against the Revs. Uh, they came away with a 2-1 defeat. Uh, you know, it, it, they actually didn't, in my opinion, did not look all that bad, uh, especially considering the number of, uh, you know, bench players they played. Um, let's uh, get right into it. Uh, Truman, what did you dislike about this match? Well, what did I tell people about Connor late a few weeks ago? I, I mean, there's reasons why he, he's not starting, and I think you saw it. He was, <laughs> he was kind of exposed many times in this game, and I think that's the big thing. It's <laughs> just maybe this was the game where they kind of just, I don't know, it seemed like they threw in the towel from the start. I understand. I mean, guys had to been tired in this game, but... When you see some of these uh, B players coming out, it's just egad. You're just waiting for the, uh, the the final result to not be on the Red Bull side. But yeah, I think that's what I dislike the most is that you just kind of saw you saw the bad sides of the Connellade and the Mike Grella by himself. Not good. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the uh, best. Uh, I'm gonna have to my dislike. I'm gonna have to go with the fact that the Red Bulls conceded first, and you know this time it really finally burned them. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't want to fault too many players on that because that was a hell of a goal by Charlie Davies. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, Rebels have got to stop giving up these early goals first because all it does is have them chasing the entire game, uh, from then on, there on out. And it, uh, you know, it, this time it truly burned them. So, uh, hopefully that's something they can uh, correct sooner rather than later. Yeah, and let me, let me, let me pile on a little bit of disliking here too, and you really, really notice this. I believe I tweeted this out during the game is that, you know, when you play with that five-man midfield, and we talked about it a thousand times, the whole idea is to create a lot of turnovers, which they do, and they, they did that. The problem seems to me, and it's definitely been the whole week, is that, yeah, they can turn, they can get the turnovers in midfield, they can get the ball up the field, but there is zero creativity when they get into the opponent's box. I mean, it absolutely up and vanishes. They've had a few really nice plays um, this season so far inside, nice passes, but for the most part, it really was glaringly obvious in this game. It was just, there was nothing. They, I mean, they had absolutely nothing until they were already down 2-0, and it was kind of be too late with that, with that goal, but it's something yeah. they absolutely yeah. are going to have to address at some point. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I actually, you know, at least prior to this game, I was I was kind of wondering why Sasha Kleshin was the one playing in that number 10 sort of role. I thought Felipe, Felipe may have been a bit more, uh, you know, been a better choice for that and putting uh, Kleshin back deeper where he played with Anderlecht. But that being said, I mean, this one featured Felipe in that uh, number 10 role, and he, yeah, he didn't quite shine like I think I had hoped he would. 
Uh, I'm with you. They're, they do. They are creating a ton of pressure. Uh, but yeah, it's just once the, once the opposing team can get guys behind the ball, as the Rebels just seem to run out of ideas real fast, and that is a bit worrisome. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the, the so positive side is they, they can play a five-man defense, so they stay in every game. And that's why they've gotten yeah. a lot of draws, and they'd be able to come back and win games. That, that's the reason. But, yeah, it, it just burned them this week for sure. Yeah, that, that being said, there are moments when they do create the chances, but for whatever reason, you know, our guys just – they don't finish him, and that's a bit worrisome, especially when you have DP money invested in Bradley Wright Phillips, who admittedly in this game only played for a shorter period of time, so you can't really put it on him. But, no, but he did have his he did have his opportunities, and he didn't quite finish him, and that's uh, something you hope he breaks out of soon. Uh, so, what did you like about this match? Uh, besides the mustache scoring, which I thought was was pretty great. Yeah, I'll see this. <laughs> yeah. You know, they. They stuck those Red Bull fans. I don't even live even in a stadium. I think they were at least 3,000 feet up in that stadium. But you could still hear them because I know I could hear them during that game watching it. Because uh, you, you can always differentiate between two teams' chants, um, notwithstanding the team that's coming in this weekend because all they do is copy every other team. But you, you can hear the fans. They were, they were very loud. You could hear the distinctive chants. So yet again, give it up for the traveling fans coming up to that game. Uh, absolutely, you got to give it to you know it's a three hour, three plus hour drive. Yeah, definitely got to give it to the traveling support. Uh, my like, I think, would actually have to be the fact that despite the loss, the Red Bulls didn't look terrible. I, I mean, how often have we been used to seeing this team uh, when they lose, they lose bad? And so far this season, even when the result doesn't quite go the team's way, they don't look out of the game. Uh, they always seem in it. Uh, you know, they control the possession yet again. I mean, yes, we admit that they're not creating the chances they need to create. Uh, but it, it's definitely, I think, is something that could give fans hope uh, going forward is that, you know, they don't ever look – they have not yet once this season looked out of their league. And, uh, I, I mean, I was I was actually at a bachelor party. I only watched the game about two, three hours ago. Um, so I didn't see any of the Twitter banter or anything like that. But, I, I mean, if anyone was complaining about the B-plus team playing, uh, I mean, if you're going to play that roster, you might as well play it on the road to New England where the team rarely does well. Uh, that might that might as well be the best, you know, opportunity to rest your players. So, overall, I think with, you know, the number of players that were on the bench, uh, starters that were on the bench, you know, it, it's a loss. It sucks but it could have been much worse than it was, and it didn't look that bad. Right. Another thing I pointed out on Twitter uh, after the game, don't be mad at losing this game. Be mad at the points that they dropped Sunday and Wednesday. Those were the huge games. Those were the home games. You know, when you had your main starters in, that's when they should have capitalized. And when you don't, this is the result. Uh, Jay actually just tweeted in a thought, so I better uh, share it. He says, his thought is rest of players against Colorado, Colorado, and then start against New England. So he disagrees with me. What else is new? Uh, <laughs> maybe the, maybe the ghost of Thierry Henry showed up, and they didn't want any of the starters on turf. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So uh, I don't know. If j- we have predictions, but I don't know if I have a list of predictions that I understand. Look, I see a, sp- I, a spreadsheet, but that's about it. Let's put it this way: I was right, everyone else was wrong. How about that? Yes. It's true. It's true. He was. Uh, you were the one who predicted the loss. So I know I predicted a tie, and Jay predicted a win. So, uh, but I I don't have the 
specific, but here we do have the updated standings. Shroon is at top with nine points. Jason is second with seven. FIFA is six, uh, <laughs> or is the third with six points. Uh, Robert Celitano, uh, Celestics Online is number, is, uh, in fourth with five. Uh, Frank Midori, our guests, and Lester Townsend are tied next with four. Aaron Bauer and Fido are next with three. I am awful with Anthony <laughs> Ali, Jason O'Brien, <laughs> with two. Uh, Steve Toto, Shiloh Grayson, uh, each have one, and Matt Coyne has zero points on the season. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at with, uh, the standings right now. Sometimes being um, negative pays off. I was kind of mad that Kleischen scored because I said, you know what, you jerk, if you're going to score, you better either tie or win this game or my prediction is going to go right to hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, unfortunately, yeah. I did have 2 mil, and he scored and screwed that up, but whatever. Yeah, he could have gotten more points, but isn't it better that the Red Bulls look better? It, it, than, it was, yeah, than... I will take that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anything else you uh, want to say about this game? No, no, I think that I think we just about covered it. Uh, it's really not much to talk about, honestly, than what we already said. It was just, it was an expected result. I think that's all I'm going to say. It's pretty much, especially when the lineup came out, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think if I had that lineup, uh, you know, at my hands when we recorded last week, I think I would have gone with the loss as well. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, that wraps it up on the New England match. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to get a little bit of a New York Red Bull 2 uh, review, and uh, we'll be right back with, from the Hudson River Blue po- uh, blog, uh, Rafael Noboa y Rivera. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Rebel Ran. Uh, right now we have on, uh, for the very first time, uh, a special guest from the Hudson River Blue blog, uh, Rafael Nobal y Rivera. Uh, Rafael, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, can't complain. Uh, so let's uh, dive right into it. Okay. Um, you, know, the, you know, New York City FC was uh, created because uh, there are a lot of New York fans who just were not willing to cross the Hudson River to see some soccer. Um, out of curiosity, uh, is there something like, is it like gremlins, like being fed after midnight? Does something happen to New Yorkers if they cross the Hudson River? You know, I actually don't know because I've crossed the Hudson River plenty of times. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to think that nothing's happened to me. I'm still the same snuggly, cuddly-looking dude that I've always been, so who knows? Um, you know, I can tell you that Jersey's pretty nice to drive through. It certainly beats the pants out of Kansas, I guess. Um, you know, once you hit you know, halfway through Kansas, there is literally nothing. No radio stations, yeah. nothing. So, um, so, you know, having done my fair share of cross-country trips, I mean, nothing wrong with Jersey. 
<laughs> all right, you're all right then. You're all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get right into it a little bit. Uh, were yeah. you an MLS fan uh, prior to this season? Uh, were you a Red Bull fan at one point? Uh, nope. Did you switch uh, allegiances? No, no. Um, nope. Matter of fact, I'm not a fan of any one of the New York teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to the degree that I'm a fan – um, I'm a fan of the league, fan of MLS. Um, I grew up in Columbus, so the team that I actually follow, um, to the degree that I follow an MLS team, is the Columbus Crew. Um, you know, one of the reasons that you know I don't necessarily call myself a fan of any one of the three teams in New York, whether you're talking about the Cosmos, the the Red Bulls, or New York City, is because I think that gives me a certain degree of um, separation in a certain degree. I don't want to say objectivity because I don't think anybody can be really objective. Um, we all come mm-hmm. to these things with our biases and our experiences and all that. So what it does give me is it gives me a sort of ability to look at things from a 30,000-foot view or 10,000-foot view and say, look, I mean, I've been following this league for 20-odd years, and, you know, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. If you're a team in MLS, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, as far as New York City specifically, the reason I was really interested in covering New York City and writing about New York City is because, you know, it's really rare to have the chance to look at an expansion team and look at a team, you know, as it's coming together from scratch, um, particularly in a place like New York City. Um, I think the last expansion team um, in New York, if you if you can if you look at MLS as one of the five major leagues, the last expansion team in New York was probably, um, you know, the New York Nets, you know, with the ABA NBA merger in '76. You know, and that was like 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and then before that, you have to go back to the New York Mets, um, and that's an eternity when you're talking about professional sports. Um, and so, being able to cover New York City and be able to write about them, particularly from the perspective of talking with fans and being at that ground level was really fascinating for me. And so that's why I fell into it. There you go. That gives us an interesting perspective. I mean, how how do you feel this launch has been going so far? I mean, it obviously came in Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of hype and fanfare. They had a great crowd for their first opening match. Um, How has the fan base kind of – how have they reacted to this recent swoon? I mean, being winless in the past seven games. You know, that's a really great question. I think you have, I think we, when you're online, um, you always run the risk of listening to the really loud voices online. And mm-hmm. you have to be really careful, I think, to not privilege those voices or give them undue weight. Um, I think if you, and that's why, you know, at every home game, I really take the opportunity to just, you know, leave the press box, you know, get out there into the stadium, into the stands, talk to different people, you know, as they're in line for, to get concessions, you know, after the game, before the game, what have you. Just really get a feeling for what people on the ground feel, what the ground truth is, so to speak. I think um, there is some disappointment. I think um, if you look online – Maybe that disappointment might be a little bit louder. There's certainly a – without a question, because I've seen it personally, there's certainly a certain element of that fan base that 
I guess, of the New York City fan base. I really thought, you know, they were going to beast the East. They were going to do really, really well right from the start. Um, you know, I've even seen people saying, you know, hey, maybe we need to think about firing Jason Christ, which I think is ludicrous. It is. You know? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a theory, I, I suppose. Yeah. But I think it's ludicrous. Um, the vast majority of people are not there. I think a lot of people are frustrated. I think a lot of people are um, disappointed, and they should be. I mean, a seven-game winless streak is not anything to be proud of, which is why, you know, watching people party in the streets, you know, after defeats and after, uh, you know, draws is really kind of weird and bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and more – you know, more about that, I suppose, later. But, you know, I think a lot of people are frustrated and a lot of people would like to see the team do a lot better. And I think, you know, there's also a, a significant section of the fan base that says, like, look, we're an expansion team. And, you know, expansion teams are historically not good um, because of the kind of players that you have. And, you know, even if you get David Villa healthy and even if you get Frank Lampard in there and even if you sign somebody like Wesley Snyder, um, or, you know, a Sebastian Giovinco equivalent or somebody like that as your third DP, that's still three players out of 11. Um, you know, and you've got to deal with other players that aren't necessarily great. So, you know, or even good. So we have to take that into consideration. Now, is there any op- optimism around the impending rival Lampard? Like, do you, do you think, uh, or do you personally think that he could do anything to, uh, maybe get this team into the playoffs? Um, I think there's just – I don't want to say optimism. I think, you know, people are sort of, you know, biding their time and they're going ahead and they're saying, look, I mean, Lampard may or may not be able to make a difference in terms of the midfield. But, again, he's one player um, and he can only do so much. And I think we can only expect Lampard, um, after basically almost two nonstop years of playing, um, to only do, you know, a certain amount in terms of what he can bring to the table. I think um, he could definitely get the midfield, which I really think is the big issue for New York City, um, mm-hmm. much more uh, much more mobile and much more vertical. I think right now there's a lot – the way I refer to it is there's a lot of horizontal horizontality to the passing for New York City's midfield. They pass the ball east and west and sort of north and south. Um, mm-hmm. And I think – you know, Lampard, with his vision particularly, can really help with that in terms of linking the midfield with the forwards, you know, and creating more goal-scoring opportunities. I think if you watch tape of New York City, there's a lot of tentativeness, you know, a bit less so this past Sunday against Seattle. Um, but there's a lot of tentativeness in terms of the passing, and I think that's because a lot of the players haven't played with each other sufficiently. You know, they haven't really developed a knowledge of each other's rhythms. I mean, if you look at Seattle play, for example um, – you know, it's almost like Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins know what each other is going to do before they do it, you know, mm-hmm. and that only comes through practice and through just repetition and just being able to spend time with one another and reading off of each other. And New York City simply aren't there yet. And that just takes time. Uh, some other, you know, side news about this team is that obviously the Yankee Stadium situation is not meant to be a permanent nope. home. So there is a recent news of the team moving into Columbia University in Inwood neighborhood. Uh, have you heard anything about that more than just the, the, the basic plans as to if there's any controversy or? Yeah, there's controversy about it. Um, Adonis Rodriguez, who's 
the councilman in that area. He's um, he's a well-known, really progressive councilman, member of the Progressive Caucus, you know, in the city council. Uh, he was really skeptical of that. And to be perfectly honest, that's, you know, when I wrote wrote about it on HRB, you know, I mentioned that it would probably be an issue. There would be local opposition. There's going to be local opposition to a stadium, and I think you know this as a Red Bulls fan. Um, it took the Red Bulls 15 years to come up with a stadium of their own, and that's because you're in New York City. And so every desirable parcel of land um, that you could easily site a stadium in, it's already gone. So now you got to do the slog. And that means engaging with the local community and really making the hard um, choices in, you know, in the interplay in terms of saying, like, look, you know, this is what it's going to take. I mean, I think, you know, fans and, and I'm not just singling out New York City fans. I think soccer fans anywhere, MLS fans, you, know, you have this ideal, I, you know, vision of, you know, the downtown stadium and you're going to have the badass march to the match and it's going to be like, you know, Pyro and all this stuff. And I think, you know, I don't know that that happens, you know, in a stadium in New York City. You know, if you have, let's say you put it in Inwood, you know, I don't think the neighborhood's going to be very copacetic with a march to the match by 20,000 people, you know, or even 5,000 people. You know, I mean, you want to you want to talk about getting in the neighborhood's bad side, you know, talk about 5,000 drunk, you know, rowdy soccer (laughs) fans, you know. Screaming and chanting at 7 p.m. on a Sunday night, you know? And that's not <laughs> slagging on the soccer fans because, you know, that's part of the atmosphere. But, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, that 65-year-old retiree living in Inwood, and that's a kind of neighborhood that it, that it is a little bit, you know, and it's a quiet family mm-hmm. neighborhood, you know, that's not a neighborhood that's very consonant, you know, with a with a soccer stadium and that kind of atmospheric. So, um, so I think – do I think it's an excellent site for it? Relative to the city, sure. Excellent view. You know, it's on the banks of the river. It's perfect, but you know, there would be, there would have to be compromises made. And that's what Councilman Rodriguez is talking about. He wants to be consulted. And I think that's what the club has to do. They really have to invest um, time and effort and energy into really selling that. And, you know, that's not really something that they've done, you know, or if they're doing it, they're doing it very, very on the DL. Right. Uh, I mean, do Red Bulls fans or Red Bulls fans? I'm sorry. Do New York City SV <laughs> fans? Uh, do they realistically uh, expect a stadium in the city? I mean, we've seen in history, New York has told the Dodgers to piss off. Uh, the Yankees had to threaten the New York Yankees had to threaten to move to New Jersey to get a new stadium built. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, does New York City FC kind of have to put soccer on the United States map to even realistically get a chance of a stadium built in the five boroughs? Uh, yes and no. I mean, do they have a realistic chance at a stadium in the five boroughs? Yes. I, I, I you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say yes. Um, is it going to be? And that's again, that's the difference between ideal and realistic. Mm-hmm. Is that stadium going to mm-hmm. be on Pier 40? No. And I think <laughs> if you're no. telling yourself. <laughs> The New York City FC brand new soccer team is going to have, um, you know, a Pier 40 stadium. I want to know what you're smoking, you know, because my Cleveland Silver <laughs> self, you know, my you is really intrigued about that. Um, that said, you know, could you have a situation like Columbia sharing a stadium with New York City? I think that's realistic. 
Um, you know, could you have a stadium mm-hmm. in the aqueduct? Sure. You know, is that you know the ideal situation? Probably not. Is it in the city? Sure. Um, so, you know, and again, that is consonant with New York City delivering you know, a winning product, an incredibly attractive product, a product that consistently packs the stands, you know, at Yankee Stadium, you know, and that sort of thing. So we'll see. Uh, Does New York City FC need a stadium in the five boroughs to kind of keep being what they are? Um, That's actually a really interesting question. Um, Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think so. I think they really need to have the stadium in the five boroughs. Or shall I say, like, realistically, like, if it's not in physically in the five boroughs, then it's got to be something like, you know, the Elmont um, Cosmos proposal where it's, like, half in Queens technically and, like, half in, you know, Elmont. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's at the outside. I think really it's got to be in the five boroughs um, because so many people, as you and I both know, are so hung up on that. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, the Red Bull uh, game coming up. Um, how are uh, how is the how is the New York City uh, fan base? Do they view this as a rivalry? Is this like are they jonesing for a win on uh, Sunday? Yeah, they are. Um, they were jonesing for a win, <laughs> you know, last Sunday against Seattle. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they're probably jonesing for a win against Chicago. Um, you know, these <laughs> you know these fans really you know they have high expectations. Like I said. Um, and, you know, that's why, you know, to me, you know, the whole like dancing after, you know, after losses is so weird because a lot of the fans I speak with are like really genuinely frustrated and they're patient, but they're frustrated and they want to win. Um, I think, you know, those 1500 fans, they're going to be going to Red Bull Arena, like the third rail, the supporters group said, you know, they're going to be totally jonesing for a win, um, you know, on Sunday. And I think if you talk to a New York City supporter, um, they're going to go ahead and they're going to tell you that they definitely want to win. And I'm sure Red Bulls fans feel the same way. Um, now, the, uh, the one thing, that, one of these questions that Jay has just asked me to ask, um, you know, he says that Red Bull fans and have been kind of trolling New York City fans a bit uh, more, yeah. but they haven't been quite getting it back. Uh, do, you know, do you know why the NYC FCA fans aren't exactly digging at the Red Bulls at the moment? Um. It's the first game. Um, I think <laughs> you no, know, I, I honestly think I think it's the first game and I think you know I read the assertion somewhere and I forget where it was, but I read the assertion somewhere that um you know this was potentially like the biggest rivalry, you know, New York versus New York. Um I, you know, coming from following New York's um not so much the Red Bulls but MLS for twenty years, uh, to me the big Red Bulls slash Metro rivalry has always been DC, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. you know, and to me, that's always going to be the big rivalry. Um, it's going to be that until, you know, New York City, you know, lays the smackdown, so to speak, on the Red Bulls, um, for an extended period of time. And then that sort of thing switches. I think if, if we're going to make, um, you know, comparisons to say, English soccer, for example. I think, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the big Manchester United rivalry is um, Liverpool. It's Manchester United versus Liverpool, and that's the big one. You know, I think if you talk to United fans, they will tell you that. If you talk to Liverpool fans, they would tell you that. I mean, obviously Liverpool and Everton are is a big rivalry, and obviously City versus United is a big rivalry. But 
Um, you know, I think, you know, right now, and this is going to sound really hilarious because obviously City Football Group owns New York City, but right now I would imagine that, you know, the Red Bulls, being the senior club, you know, are akin to United here, and, um, you know, New York City is akin to Manchester City. Um mm-hmm. Being in the actual city, you know, just like United is not quite actually in Manchester. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would tell you that, you know, I think as I talk to Red Bulls fans, and I haven't really talked to that many, so I'm really interested to hear what you say and what you think. Um, I think if the Red Bulls win on Sunday, you know, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, we beat New York City. Yay. I think, you know, if, you know, City beats the Red Bulls, on Sunday, it's gonna be like, "Woo, we beat the Red Bulls!" Yeah, take that. <laughs> you know, um, I I one hundred percent agree. The the losing fan base is gonna be is gonna is gonna lose their minds, and the winning fan base is gonna be like, "Ah, eh, whatever." Yeah, the, we were supposed to beat them anyway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so so you know, so that's where I'm looking at at it now, and I think you know, again. Once New York City becomes much more established, then maybe that changes. I don't know. But that's way off into the future. And I think, you know, right now, if you're a New York City fan, I think patience is the byword, as with so many things. So what do you think the New York City FC has to do to come away with a good result uh, against the Red Bulls uh, this Sunday? So there's two areas of weakness right now, Um, the defense and the midfield. For and you can also make a case for the forward line for New York City, but really, you know, the problem isn't so much that they're an expansion team; it's that they're an expansion team and they're going through an injury crisis right now, and that injury crisis is really hitting the defense at this time. You know, when you're an expansion team, like I said earlier, you're still trying to figure out the rhythm. New York City, I think, has played counting friendlies and all and all that. I think they've played 14 games total. That's not a lot of games when you stop and think about it. And so rhythm and being able to read off of your fellow players are so, it's such an important thing. Um, and when you have a lot of disruptions to that back line, then you're forcing, you know, somebody like Josh Saunders, you know, or, you know, somebody like Ryan Mara to really have to step up, you know, in a way that they perhaps normally wouldn't have to. Um, you know, and, so that's the big issue. They have to have, they have to figure out a way to really grow and develop that defensive cohesiveness, um, because then everything else follows from that. You know, so hopefully, you know, they've got a, you know, they've got either people coming back, um, you know, for the game on Sunday, or you know, that back four is set. You know, and it's going to be whoever it is, um, whether it's Brovsky, uh, Wingert, um, you know, maybe it's not going to be Kwame Watson Serbo. Uh, so probably Shea Facey, and then you know the new guy R.J. Allen or Andres Mendoza, whom nobody has seen um, because he hasn't really gotten any you know any playing time. Um, so that's going to probably be your back four, and then you know hopefully your midfield. You know they've got to be able to develop some some cohesiveness there and some north some ability to pass the ball north and south. They had that on Sunday, um, but you know that was really sort of the first game where things really started to click for that midfield. And I think a big part of the issue is that, you know, those players are playing, a lot of those players are not really playing in the proper positions right now. Um, So somebody like Andrew Jacobson, who didn't play on Sunday, you know, Jacobson is not 
a holding slash defensive midfielder. And I've been saying this, you know, ever since they acquired him. Um, mm-hmm. He's really a box-to-box midfielder. He's a number eight, not a number six. Mix, um, Discarud, he's not, you know, a baseline midfielder. He's not a box-to-box mid. He's not a holding slash defensive mid. He's, you know, he doesn't really have like a defined position. He's at his best, you know, he's you know, playing off on the right side, off of the shoulder of that box-to-box midfielder, like a Lampard, like a Jacobson, you know, making runs into the box. Um, you know, Medi Bellucci's done okay, but he has, you know, this propensity for just disappearing in games. Um, you know, and Ned Grabovoy is solid, but, you know, at his age, he's not really making those shuttling runs anymore, you know, down the left-hand side of the midfield. So he's staying, you know, way up top. Um, and not coming back, which then forces, um, you know, Brovsky to really cover a lot more ground than he normally would. You know, so all those things combine to, you know, really affect the way that New York City passes the ball and sends the ball up forward to their strike force. Um, you know, again, you know, another part, another big issue is that, you know, those strikers, whether it's Patrick Mullins, whether it's Kyrie Shelton, um, whether it's Adam Nemec, you know, none of those guys have really been able to score consistently. Nemec, not at all. I think Mullins has one goal, and I think Shelton hasn't scored at all. So, you know, David Villa, you know, is the leading guy. He really hasn't played all that, you know, all that much. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, New York City needs to work on everything. You know, and that's sort of a... Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to say, just toss that out at the beginning. I really wanted to fill that out for you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, um, to give you a prediction, you know, if I can hazard one, I would say, go for it. If they line up, I think in a four, I explored this after, I think after the Seattle game or before the Seattle game, but I made the suggestion that maybe they ought to consider, at least when they're playing at home, um, in a really small field like Yankee Stadium, to go with a four-one-three-two, um, and to have somebody like Quadwopoku, who you know the New York City fans love, and who's really done a pretty decent job for being as young and raw as he is, um, mm-hmm. have him be the holding such defensive mid because that's how he grew up. And then you have you know a bank of three midfielders, whether that's Grabovoy, Jacobson in the middle, and Mix, you know, up there, um, and then you have um, you know, your two strikers, whether that's Mullins and Nemec, Mullins and Villa, or some combination thereof. And then, you know, for Gravavoy, you can put in Shelton. Um, for Mix, you can put in McNamara, whomever. So, but I think that's a much more offensive, much more vertical um, formation for them. So what, uh, you got a scoreline prediction for uh, this Sunday's match? <sighs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to be pretty um, for New York mm-hmm. City. Um, I yeah. think... Um, I think it's going to be one of two things. I think either, and I think this is going to be one, you know, a definitional game for New York City in this season. One of, one of their first really truly gut check games. Um, you know, on the good side, I think they can, they're totally capable because this is MLS and anything can happen in any given game. They're, this is a team that's entirely capable and, you know, we are talking about the Red Bulls. Um, Given the you know the history of of the Red Bulls, this is a team that could New York City is a team that could totally go into Red Bull Arena and come out you know winning two to nothing, you know three to one, mm-hmm. 
You know, they're entirely capable of that. Um, you know, at the flip side, you know, this is a Red Bulls team, and I really get the impression from following the players, you know, listening to what they have to say, listening to what Jesse Marsh has to say. I, I really get the feeling that Je- that Marsh likes to have, unlike Petke, Marsh likes to have his players a little bit wound up, you know, and play with a little bit of fire, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, you know. And I think, you know, from other sports, you and I both know that, you know, that whole you know, nobody believes in us thing can be a real, <laughs> real motivating factor for a team. And I think that's very true of the New York Red Bulls, um, particularly this season. And I think particularly for this game, for a game like this, I see guys like Lloyd Sam, you know, really keyed up for this game. And that's not something that I remember seeing yeah. from Lloyd Sam last year, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I spoke with Kyle yeah. Rennish last night, you know, and he was, you know, pretty pumped up about the game, you know? And, <laughs> you know, and this is Kyle Rennish we're talking about here, you know? So, right. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if New York City, if, you know, if New York City come out there, you know, and they have this really worrying tendency of starting slow in games, you know, and if the New York Red Bulls come out there and they just lay the smack down, you know, aggressively, you know, in that first 10, 15 minutes, you could easily see the Red Bulls, you know, put two, three goals, you know, on the scoreboard, you know, and if you have a packed crowd there, you know, you and I have both been there, you know, yeah. I'm sure you were there for the Supporter Shield game, you know, we've been there. Oh, yeah. You know, when that arena gets rocking, you know, it gets rocking. And that is a fearsome, Mm -hmm. you know, place to play. And, you know, if the Rebels go up like 2-0, I think, you know, all bets are off. And, you know, you could be looking at a 4-0, 5-0 scoreline there. (laughs) So so I think it's going to be one of two ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I think Red Bull fans would definitely get behind that uh, for 5-0 score. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all right, before we let you go, how about you uh, let let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can read your stuff. So we're on, tw- so we are on Twitter at, you know, the little at sign Hudson River Blue, and you can read all that we have to write at www.hudsonriverblue.com. And I, I was actually on their website before, so I could say Red Bull fans. There's actually some interesting stuff in there, so don't don't you don't give it a. Don't go you know, crazy we, about going there. It's not bad. One of the things, one of the things that, you know, I, I want to say this um, because I'm somebody who, like I said, I'm somebody who's been following the league, you know, for 20 mm-hmm. years since the beginning. And, you know, when we were coming up with the site, um, we really wanted to do it with, with the idea that obviously this is going to be a site that focuses on New York City, you know, and it's going to have, mm-hmm. you know, pro New York City FC content. I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, SB Nation, and it wouldn't be, you know, what it is, you know, without that. But at the same time, we yeah. also wanted to have content that would be cons- that would be taken seriously by other people. You know, if a Red Bulls fan, of course, you know, we want people, you know, from MLS, you know, fan, you know, MLS fans to go to that site, and we want to say, like, you know what, they got a point. They're not just blowing smoke. You know. Yeah. Um, we want Seattle, Absolutely. you know, we want, for example, Seattle, Seattle fans, you know, who invented soccer, if you talk to them. Um, <laughs> it's true. They did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to be able to say like, you know what, we invented soccer, but you know, maybe these guys have a point here and there. Um, and so that's yeah. really what we aim for, um, at HRB. Yeah. Good stuff. 
So. All right. Well, like you said, like you, uh, like you heard it there, you can read Raphael at, uh, Hudson River Blue. Uh, Rafa, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. All right. We'll be right back right after this with more Red Bull Rant. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. Once again, we want to thank Rafa for coming on to the show. Uh, and as we said before, you can follow him on the Hudson River Blue podcast or blog. I'm sorry. It's a blog, not a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we heard what he had to say about the New York City FC match uh, coming up this Sunday. Uh, it's on uh, Sunday, May 10th at 7 p.m. It's going to be on Fox Sports 1 as part of the Sunday night doubleheader. Uh We'll get, just go right into it. Uh, Jason actually predicted a 3-1 win. Uh, he can't elaborate, uh, but uh, we'll go right into what you think, Jeremy. What do you think is going to happen this this Sunday against uh, the blue team? Whipping. That's what I'm predicting. A good old-fashioned ass-whopping. And I don't know how it's going to happen because this is not a, a high-scoring team, but I think it's time for the breakout. I think it's time the crowd's going to be pumped. A bunch of jackalopes coming over from the, across the river. The God forbid, crossing <laughs> New Jersey. I don't care how many they're bringing, 5, 15, 4,000. Who, who cares? They're going to see their team get their butts handed to them. Jay with his 301. You fool. 4 nothing. That's right. 4 nothing. Oh. Manny Bellucci is going to somehow grow all his afro back and lose all his scoring power. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be a beating. I could see BWP scoring a couple. And let's say Dax McCarty because he's the captain. I think he's going to get one too. So that, that's my quick prediction. for nothing, and they're going to go back on the past pain crying for their moments. Now, if Betty Bellucci scores against the Red Bulls, do the fans give him a polite clap like they did JPA? I could see polite applause. I could see that happening. He was, he was a great, he's a great guy. He's a, a fun player. He did do the wipeout dance after scoring a goal with the Red Bulls, which was always one of my favorite post-goal celebrations. <laughs> ah, man, that, that would be certainly interesting to see. Uh, well, I mean, I hope we don't see it. I, I actually do also think it's going to be a, a shutout for the Red Bulls, but I don't think they're going to score that many goals because, you know, as we've discussed, they don't exactly – they aren't very good at scoring goals right now. So I, I think it's going to be a 2-0 two, two win. Uh, I mean, NYCFC is doing its very best to look every bit the expansion side that it is. Uh, and uh, as we mentioned in the first segment, I mean, the Red Bulls, even in losses, look very good. Um, Rafa was actually on. He mentioned that the midfield and the defense of NYCFC are the two biggest problem areas. And I think that's something that this high-pressure offense is going to exploit to no end. It's just a matter of the Red Bulls finishing their chances. Uh, I would love to see BWP get back into his, uh, you know, his whole hat trick, uh, you know, uh, form that he displayed quite often last season. That would be nice, but I, I think it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to look good, but I think the scoreline is only going to be about two nothing. Uh, you got to, you got to, you got to think big, man. That's what I'm thinking. Thinking big. <laughs> think big. Yeah. Think big like the big city, big city That's opponents right. now, coming in. Now let me ask you this. Here's here's a question for you. Salzizo right. hurt. He's going to be off a little while. Do you think Leo Stolz gets some playing time? Uh, you know, this might be his chance to see the field. I mean, certainly, you know, uh, Marsh likes to sub in and out 
uh, those uh, left wingers there. Uh, and it actually has worked quite well with the Grella Zizo rotation, uh, where if one kind of flops, the other one kind of comes in and energizes the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this is, does seem to be the prime opportunity for us to finally see Stoles play for the uh, varsity squad. Um, I know plenty of Red Bull fans are looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, you know, but uh, for now, hey, um, Grella once again had another Tebow moment against uh, New England where he had that <laughs> nice little head-on for questions to finish, you know. It's like, uh, this guy, I don't get him. I don't get him. He just, like, he just has these moments that are brilliant, and you're like, do that more often. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if he's one of number 13. We need more of that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. Come on, Mikey. We want to love you. We do. Now we just kind of like you, you know? That's all right. Um, yeah, so yeah. Leo Stoltz, I'm all for seeing some Leo Stoltz. Uh, that would be pretty sweet. So uh, if you uh, – I guess uh, you got anything else to say about this match coming up? Any any uh, jabs you want to get in at uh, El Blue Team from across the river? Well, sure. Let me let me just add in here. I might as well do it now because I I want to do my little terrible team of the week, and it's gonna be it's gonna ah. be that blue team because they got absolutely shellacked yeah. against Seattle. Oh, yeah. yeah, they scored a goal and then uh, <laughs> Seattle quickly retaliated. Nothing more hilarious than seeing them lose embarrassingly at home. And then the Red Bulls catching them on the sideline drinking Red Bull and yeah. the team tweeting that out, which I, I thought was really funny. Uh, and here's the other thing, you dumb, dumb Man City Junior fans, okay? Red Bulls post out a tweet about their little songbook. And they, you know, what did they say? They said, we hope you're ready. We hope you got your songs ready. That's the joke. So those idiots dig up a, a ESC songbook from 20 years ago. And like, oh, look, you have songbooks too. Hey, hey, idiots. The joke wasn't about having songbooks. They were making the jokes of, you better be ready. You better practice your songs. That's where the joke was. <laughs> but they're too dumb to realize that, apparently. Uh, you know how many teams have songbooks? Tons of them. And they're a good thing. We're just telling you, if you're going to have them, you better, you better memorize those songs. And um, maybe not bring the ones that you stole from other teams. That that might be a good <laughs> idea, too. Yeah. How, how do you think this rivalry is going to play out this weekend? Like, what, what do you think we're going to see? Do you think, do you think it's going to be pretty tepid with the – I mean, we talked a little bit about it with Rafa, but, you know, what do you think? you think we're going to, like, see uh, – it's not going to be that good because no one's really expecting NYCFC to come in here and do anything? I, You know, I don't – on the field, I don't think it's going to be – like a New York DC thing where that rivalry trickles down onto the field, that animosity is there. But mm-hmm. I really feel it, I'm hoping this is a sellout. I'm hoping it's close to a sellout. I mean, I know the supporters group, you know, sports section is going to be full. Blue teams bringing, mm-hmm. you know, their fans are coming down. I don't know the name of their supporters group. I totally do, but I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be really crazy between the fans. I think it's going to be really, really nuts. I think the the, uh, the Red Bull fans are sick of their little elitist attitude. Um, they're dancing after blowout losses. I mean, how many times is that going to be fun? But uh, I say buckle up, and I say if you can if you can get to the game, definitely be there. I just have a feeling that's going to be and completely insane atmosphere. And those path trains, dear God, just be ready. <laughs> it, I think it's going to get nuts for sure. <laughs> Hopefully everything will stay civil, 
I'm hoping. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be completely crazy. I think like there's supporters groups like Oil Money FC or something. I I feel like that's what it's Some, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Third tail. Yeah. Third tail. I think that's what they're called. The third tail. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, well, there's a little uh, note here on the uh, our little Google Doc for all you to look at. Jason actually interviewed for four a four four two piece. On the Ooh. match, so and that's out now. Yeah, Jason, our, our little Jason's all grown up now. Wow. Yeah, look at that. He's come so yeah. far. So good. Oh, Jason, we love that guy. If only he so, could say something right now. If only he can talk. Yeah. If only with you. Yeah. Um, I could get used to this. I could get used to this. <laughs> his whole not being able to come back at me. Yeah. This is fun. Uh, no, in all seriousness. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there we go. <laughs> what was that? Was that a ghost? I think that was a ghost. Oh, I have picked up. All right. That was yeah. I, <laughs> I uh, pick, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I picked ghost. You got it. All right. <laughs> oh. All right. Any uh, last words before we uh, we uh, do the rundown and get out of here? Yeah, I have one big word. I'm gonna hold off on that. I'm just saying, everyone, get your butts down to the game. Or get to a get to a pub, get someone to watch it, get fired up. It's I know it's uh, an expansion team, but I think it's going to be a really really fun day. And uh, final word, win. Yeah, boom. Yeah, I, I know Mark Fishkin always talks about this on Seeing Red. Get there early. Don't show up 20 minutes after the whis- the first whistle. Fill the seats. Get rowdy. Make it your home. All right. Just do that as soon as possible. Yeah, no excuses. All right, it's let's... 7 o'clock. It's 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. You should be there on time. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, you can check us out at onceametro.com slash red-bull-rant. Uh, you can support us on patreon.com slash rbr. You can email us at redbullrant at gmail.com. Uh, phone number is 973-348-5329. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash rant. Twitter at rant. uh, at once a metro. Uh, you can find Jason at Dr. Stooge, uh, myself at pmacda2, the Truman at the Truman. You subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitch Radio, soundcloud.com slash red, uh, hyphen bull hyphen rant. Uh, and uh, don't forget, our, our old field does go dark at the end of May and our new feeds are now available. Uh, you can search for us on Red Bull Rant at, uh, on iTunes. Uh, so, uh, we are actually approaching our 150th episode. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've gathered, I don't know if you gathered that by the, uh, 141 of the top of the show. So we are actually counting down our top 10 Red Bull Rant moments. And, uh, this one was actually submitted by Ainsley Bender, who, uh, it's actually from a very recent episode. It was uh, when we kind of had a little bit about the SAP button uh, for Unimas. It was from episode 139. I believe we're going to play that for you guys now. At the end. At the end, apparently. We're going to play that for you guys. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Um, so we'll wrap this up. You'll get to hear that in a second. Uh, for Jason Ipico, I am Pat McDonald. This is, uh, he is the Truman, and this is the Red Bull Rant. Go Red Bulls. Peace.
This is Aaron Bauer here with your NYRB2 update for Red Bull Rant. Last week, the Red Bulls faced off against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in a 3-2 thriller. The Baby Bulls got on the board early, forcing an own goal from Pittsburgh to take a 1-0 lead. As would be a theme throughout the game, the Baby Bulls allowed the Riverhounds to to equalize before scoring again on their own. This time, Manolo Sanchez, who helped force the own goal, scored one of his own before, once again, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds tied. Not satisfied in earning only one point, Captain Anthony Wallace scored a screamer in stoppage time to give the Baby Bulls their second win of the season. The win moved the team back into playoff contention in the Eastern Conference. This Saturday, NYRB2 will face off against the Harrisburg City Islanders in the final game at Red Bull Arena. Harrisburg should be a familiar opponent to Red Bulls fans as we played them two times in, in the U.S. Open Cup in 2010 and 2012, losing both matches in extra time. Thank you very much, and go NYRB2. But that's not my dislike. My dislike. Lousy getting ready to go. First New York with the ball in the box. What a save in the back by David Begum. What? Getting the right glove on the white bullet. Huh? What? What the hell did he say? What? <laughs> Listen, Unimas. Wait, is... Do I need to play that? Do I need, do I need to play that again for effect here? Yeah, could you just play that again? Stand. Yeah, play, play it again. Blasky getting ready to go. First New York with the ball in the box. What a save to the back by David Begar. <laughs> getting the right glove on the white bullet. Where is this guy from? What's the name of the goalkeeper what? again? His name is. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that Dax McCarthy didn't have a play on that ball. Yeah, Dax McCarthy. McCarthy. You, you I don't explain the situation, the situation though. So people understand what's going on. Explain what, that that guy is terrible, and that Unimas tried to hire, like, American versions of their announced team, which is just a terrible idea. Is that what you're going to explain yeah, to me, Jay? Yeah, I, I, I watched... The replay of I think it was the Grella goal, and he was like a good like two seconds behind on the call, and then just goes into like my Grella goal, like what the fuck? And you're not you're like, not the, the Spanish team. Don't don't do it. I, I still can't figure out how to get the English language uh, uh, telecast. I, I'm, all I got, all I could understand my entire time watching was Ninja Ninja every time uh, Dax McCarty touched the ball. So you know, at first I was kind of upset because. Uh, I couldn't, the SAP button wasn't working, you know, when I wanted to watch the one game. It wasn't this game, it was a different one. Um, so I just left it on Spanish, which is fine, it's fun. Now, now I'm kind of regretting that, uh, I can listen to it in English. Cause that is, they're terrible. Like, they are really terrible, um, making the game almost unlistenable. Well, I, I, I guess just from that one clip, I mean, yeah, understanding un, uh, Chinchin Ninja is easier than understanding. <laughs> Jay, play it one more time. Click me again. I want to hear it. getting ready to go. First New York with the ball in the box. What a save in the back by David Begar. <laughs> getting the right glove on the white bullet. The, the right glove on the white bullet. <laughs> 
Like, ha- I mean, did he have that written down? Did he have notes taken? He's like, I want to say white bullet tonight. <laughs> he like, I got he had one. to, right? Had he to. had to. That was like, that was, if you, I mean, if you watch the replay, if you, if you watch the, the clip, he doesn't say that till like a second or two after, but it is so quick in real time that he had to have had it written down. Like, that's not something anybody usually thinks of off the top of their head, unless no. they practice it like plenty of time beforehand. <sighs> hey boss, I got a good one for tonight. I'm gonna call the ball a white bullet at some point. It's gonna be great. If you if you were at the game, okay, and you did not watch the Thank highlights God. or the game or the condensed version, do yourself a terrible favor. Watch the condensed game and try not to lose your mind. Give it a shot. Should I do it? Should I do it? Do it one more time. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me, Jay. Lowski getting ready to go. First New York with the ball in the box. What a save to the back by David Bigger. Getting the right glove on the right bullet. Right. Right glove. Huh? Oh, boy. Unimas. Epic. Epic fail.